0: More things are rocked by prayer than this world dreams of.
1: Radio plays from the golden age of Hollywood. Family Theater Productions presents remastered family classics from our audio archives. These were shows produced by venerable father, Patrick Payton. Hello, I'm Father David Guffey, and welcome to this week's program from 1947, hosted by Wallace Ford. Jeannie Crane stars with Patrick McGeehan. It is a love story told over a great period of time. To grow in love, a couple must learn to understand each other, trust, and work together through the challenges that come. The fruit of this? Well, listen to the story.
2: He wrote these words. God, in his providence, obscures the goal beyond this veil of sorrow and smiles at men in pity when they seek to penetrate the morrow. With faith that all is for the best, let's bear what burdens are presented, that we shall say, let come what may, we die as we have lived contented.
0: St. Joseph, Missouri, in the 70s. Along the boardwalk, of the main street, a young man with hat on the back of his head and necktie streaming away from his high collar, half runs, half walks through the late afternoon crowd. Excuse
2: me. Excuse me, please. Will! Oh, excuse me Jean, Jean Field, when did you get back? No time to talk now, Josh Hey, Jean, wait
3: up a minute Excuse me, please
2: Yes? Well, Mr. Field, I thought you were in Europe I was Yeah, I, I was in Europe uh, Tell me, tell me something Has your father left yet?
4: Well, I I think he was just going out the side door
2: Out the side door, uh, thanks, I'll try to catch him uh. of all the confounding... Oh, I'm very sorry, sir. I... Oh, Mr. Comstock. Uh, Field, I might have known... Oh, let me help you up, sir. Uh, I was Uh, hurrying to see you. I just got back from Europe.
5: uh, And did you knock people down like that all the way?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, no, sir. No, sir. Sir, I've talked to Julie. Uh, I assumed. And I've got to talk to you, Mr. Comstock. Uh...
5: We want to get married. So you informed me two years ago. And what was my answer?
2: Well, you said we'd have to wait two years till Julie was 20. Correct.
5: And what else did I say?
2: You said I should be established in business. Well? Well, I've decided that the most important business I have to attend to is marrying Julie. Indeed.
5: Young man, don't you realize Julie is still a girl?
2: Oh, she'll outgrow that, sir.
5: Uh, I'd be a fool to give my consent. Well... Are you implying that I am a
2: fool? Oh, no, no, sir, no. Well,
5: as a matter of fact, I am. Always have been where Julie's concerned. Field, if you make that girl unhappy, I'll take it out of your hide.
2: Julie. Yes, Jean. He said yes, Julie. Oh, Jean. We'll be married next week.
4: And a honeymoon in St. Louis?
2: St. Louis? New York, Julie. Nothing but biggest and the best for the wife of Eugene Field. That's the uh, new elevated railroad, Julie. Just one of the sights in New York.
4: You mean it, it runs way up there above the street? That's right. Oh, it's fabulous, Jean. Unbelievably so.
2: You're beautiful, Mrs. Field. Unbelievably so. Waiter. Oh, oh, waiter. Oui, monsieur? Uh, Pig's feet à la St. Joe, for two, please. Pig's feet à la St. Joe, monsieur? That's what I said, sir. Surely an establishment far-famed as the Waldorf Astoria would wish to make two honeymooners from St. Joe's, Missouri, (laughs) feel at home. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Gene! And tonight, Julie, we see Frufu.
4: Fru-fru.
2: A musical comedy at the Fifth Avenue Theater.
4: Oh, I didn't think there could be another theater in New York.
2: Well, I, I guess this is the last. Be happy, Julie.
4: I'm with you, Jean.
3: Hmm. A trip to Europe, a wedding, a honeymoon in New York. Undoubtedly a costly one.
2: And now I'm home, Mr. Gray.
3: Yes, and I presume broke again.
2: You came to ask for another advance from your father's estate. Is that correct, Gene? Uh, well, I came primarily to see you, Mr. Gray, but, well, I won't deny that some money would be welcome. Mm. Eugene,
3: I think it's about time you and I had a serious talk. The estate your father left in my trust is not endless, you know.
2: Oh, I know. Now,
3: mind you, I'm not accusing you of squandering. I consider the trip to Europe a reasonable part of your education. Your marriage and I suppose even an expensive honeymoon in New York can be justified, but you've got to settle down. Well, I... Yes, I I suppose you're right, sir. You've got to think of a career. And I consider it my duty to force you to think of a career. Therefore?
2: Uh, therefore, no me. No money. I deserve that, sir. You're absolutely right. Hmm. And I'm resolved right now to launch on a career. On the variety stage. Gee- Now, see here, you're not going to talk about going on the stage again. Oh, but I am. I forbid it. But you said I had to have a career. My friends consider me entertaining. Gene Fields, you can't do this. A cheap entertainer. Think of the family name. Oh, I have, sir. (laughs) I wouldn't think of using my own name, of course. Well, at least you show that much sense. So I've decided to use your name. Melville L. Gray, banjo and specialty art.
3: Gene Fields, you you, you wouldn't dare. You wouldn't have the audacity to do... Yes, sir. Oh, this is another one of your preposterous
2: jokes. Needing money is no joke, I assure you.
3: <sighs>
2: Very well. Very well, you'll get your money again. But I tell you, this is the last time, positively the last time. Mr. Gray, you're one of the most understanding men I've ever known. Someday I'm going to name one of my children after you. Oh, you get out of here. Take this check and get out before I change my mind. Thank you, Mr. Gray. Thank you again. And uh, Julie would want me to thank you. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you. What now? I am editor of the St. Joseph Gazette. Your what? I've got a job as editor of the St. Joseph Gazette. I start tomorrow. You mean to tell me all this time you've had a job, you deliberately... Jean feels you're impossible. Thanks for the check, Mr. Gray.
3: Thanks indeed. If it weren't your own money, it would be robbery. I tell you, if that wife of yours survives even a year of married life with you, I'll be amazed. Jean, your first pay
4: envelope.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Open it up. Not even a dime mod for a haircut.
4: But the envelope, wait, it's made out to me.
2: Oh, that's just, uh, just an error, I guess. Oh, thank you for
4: a nice error, Jean. A valentine. What, a poem? Oh, Jean.
2: In all these months we've been married, you've thought of me as just a newspaper man. You didn't know I was going to win fame and fortune as a poet, did you?
4: Oh, it's a beautiful poem, Jean.
2: Of course. It was written for a beautiful woman.
4: What in heaven's name makes you so quiet, Jean?
2: Working on a poem, of course. It's entitled To the New Baby.
4: The New Baby. Our Baby. Oh, it, it's so wonderful. I'm almost frightened,
2: wait a minute, frightened, never be frightened of the future, Julie. We'll make a wonderful family, something else, Julie,
4: what darling?
2: A while after the baby comes, uh, I might make a trip down to St. Louis. I've heard tell they need a good man on the paper down there, and they might even be interested in someone like me. Oh gee. <laughs> Well, here you are, Gene. Thanks for the lift from the station. I can't wait to tell Julie the good news.
0: Oh, don't blame you. Getting a good job in a big town like St. Louis?
2: Well, see you later. Thanks. Uh, give my regards to the family. Julie! Julie, I'm back! Julie, I... Hello, Gene. Wow, Mr. Gray. Mr. Comstock.
5: Gene, this is Dr. Mason.
2: Doctor... Julie, what's happened to Julie? Not Julie, Jean.
0: I'm sorry, Mr. Field. The disease struck suddenly. I I did all that could be done for him.
2: The boy.
5: We tried to send for you in St. Louis. We we couldn't find you. Where's my
2: wife? I want to see Julie. Julie. Jean.
4: Oh, Jean.
2: Julie, my beloved.
4: Oh, we tried so hard to find you.
2: I shouldn't have gone. I shouldn't have (sighs) left you.
4: Oh, don't say that. Oh, Jean. Now, I don't know why I've been frightened, but it was so awful knowing I was powerless, knowing there was. Please forgive me.
2: Cry, Julie. (laughs) Why don't you cry? We were too happy,
4: Julie.
2: I've been a fool to think that happiness can be of our own making. I've been too much of a coward to accept reality.
4: What? Jean, what are you saying? I.
2: I don't know, Julie.
4: I don't think you do. I'm not afraid of the future, Jean. Are you?
2: With God standing by us, I'm not afraid of the future, Julie.
5: The St. Louis Journal, Eugene Field, editorial writer. Kansas City Times, Eugene Field, managing editor, announces the birth of a daughter.
3: Denver Tribune. Eugene Field, managing editor and columnist, celebrates the arrival of his son.
4: Eugene Field?
2: Oh, hello, Julie. What's the matter?
4: Eugene Field, I want an explanation of this.
2: Ah, I noticed you called me Eugene. What have I done now?
4: We came out here to Manitou for a restful weekend. Is that right? That's right. To get a few days' vacation from the children. Uh
2: uh-huh. And for the meeting of the Denver Press Club.
4: Then would you please explain this poster?
2: That. Well, it's self-explanatory, isn't it? Tonight, Monster Benefit Show. Manitou Hotel Main Dining Room. Come one, come all. Admission 50 cents. <laughs> isn't that clear enough?
4: Ah, uh, it's all too clear. Putting posters all over town announcing a show when you know very well there isn't any show is bad enough. But to suggest you might charge admission.
2: But how else can you raise money if you don't charge admission? It's for a worthy charity.
4: Oh, yes. What charity?
2: Well, uh, uh, the children need new shoes and they could use some new toys. Oh,
4: Jean, you wouldn't have the nerve to do a thing like that. Why, people might really come. Of course. But there isn't any show where they can't just sit there.
2: Julie, darling, I'm surprised at you. They won't just sit there. If the people of Manitou will provide an audience... Heaven will provide the entertainment. Oh,
4: Jean, please. I'm serious. So am I,
2: precious. And by the way, here's your free pass to the show. I'll probably be busy at the box office tonight taking in the money.
4: I can't believe it, Carrie. He's really done it.
0: Yes, and quite a turnout, too. Looks like the whole town here. Oh, there. what's
4: he going to do, Carrie? Taking money from these miners. Well, they might not like it.
0: Yes, I know.
4: Oh,
5: hello, Evans. and Carrie. Hello, Mrs. Field.
4: Evans, is there... Have, have any entertainers?
5: No, Mrs. Field. No entertainers. There's nobody backstage at
3: all. Well, I hope Gene hasn't carried this joke too far. The crowd's getting a little impatient. Wait a minute.
5: There he is, getting up on the platform now. Say, he's going to the piano.
4: Oh, no. He's not going to try to play himself. But he is. Oh, this is awful. This is simply awful.
2: Well, Julie, how was oh, I?
4: Oh, Jean.
2: Oh, I couldn't have been that bad.
4: It was a miracle they liked you. Getting up there and entertaining for two hours, all by yourself.
2: Was it really two hours? It
4: was. Oh, but that's not what I want to talk about.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
4: Jean, please listen to me, because I mean it. I insist that you return every cent of that money.
2: After working that hard? Oh, really?
4: No, Jean, please listen to me. I'm not laughing. I don't think this was a funny joke.
2: You really mean that, don't you? I do. Well, I guess you're right. I don't exactly know how I'll get in touch with all those people again, but excuse me, dear, the door. Oh, come in, Mrs. Orsati.
4: Mr. Field, I, I... can't... Mr. Field, that was the most wonderful thing anyone has ever done for me.
2: Oh, Mrs. Orsati, my wife, Julie.
4: Mrs. Orsati, what...
2: You see, I... Mrs. Orsati's husband was killed in the mines the other day. She has several children. Uh, of course, if you insist on something. Oh, money. no.
4: No, Jean.
2: There's a little more than $200 in this envelope, Mrs. Osadi. A gift from the people of Manitou. Oh,
4: thank you, thank you. I don't know how The people I'll ever... of
2: Manitou don't expect any thanks, Mrs. Osadi. Now you go along to those kids of yours, huh? Eh?
4: You have an angel for a husband, Mrs. Field. Thank you. An angel, Jean Field. You're a devil.
2: But she needed the money, Julie. I had to.
4: And you let me think you were going to use that money for...
2: All I said was that the children needed shoes, and and they do. I told you the money was for a worthy charity. You didn't really doubt me, did you?
4: Julie? Oh, of course I doubted you. You don't know how many times I've doubted you. Really? But I won't anymore. I can promise you that. I'll never waste another second of my time doubting you again. No, Aww. sir, it's mine.
5: You already had three gooseberry tarts.
4: I didn't either. I only had two and a little old smidgy. Why, Junior Field, I saw you. Oh,
2: whoa, 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 wait a minute here. Mother, I was under the impression there were knives out in the kitchen.
4: Well, there were last time I looked.
2: Ah, huh. Then it seems to me this last tart could be cut in four pieces. That is, unless you all want meaty, did you? Oh, oh no! <laughs> uh-huh. I thought so. Melville, suppose you go get the knife.
4: Yeah, and I get to cut it. You don't either. I'm the oldest.
2: Wait a minute. Mel? Huh? Say, that's a beauty of a shiner. Come closer. Let me look.
4: Oh, it don't hurt. Doesn't. All right, doesn't.
2: Say, did you see this, Mother?
4: Yes, I saw it.
2: Don't tell me you got in a fight, Mel.
4: Nope. Freddy just left his old rag dog on the stairs again. I only fell from the first landing. Yes, and Freddie's always doing that too, Father. I think you should speak to him.
2: Hmm. Maybe I should. Remind me to speak to you, Freddie.
4: Uh-huh. How would you fix my soldier? He's busted. He's broken, Freddie. Uh-huh. And he's busted, too. Hey, when are we gonna get the knife and cut this tart? I'm awful hungry. <laughs>
2: Very nice, Mary. Bravo. Your music's coming along fine. Now this is the life, Mother. Concert after dinner.
4: Well, I got another new piece I can play, too. Well, to. uh, don't you think we'd better let Freddie play his piece for Daddy, dear?
2: Oh, has Freddy got a piece, too?
4: Uh-huh. Oh, he only plays with one finger.
2: Well, just the same. I think we should hear it.
4: Oh, gosh. We've been hearing it all day.
2: But, Penny, darling, not at a concert like this. Come on, Freddie.
0: All right. Oh, gee. Little boy blue, come blow your horn. The sheep's in the meadow, the cows in the corn. Where is the boy that looks
2: after? The... Oh. Now oh. he's all in At
4: last. Tired? A little. You working?
2: Well, I've got pen and paper. Uh, no idea yet, though. Slayson Thompson wants me to do a poem for the first issue of his new magazine, The American.
4: Oh. Well, that's nice. I won't bother you, then.
2: Oh, no. Wait, Julie. Don't go just yet. What? I just want to say that's a wonderful family of
4: yours. Ours, Jean.
2: Grave uh-huh. Alice and Laughing Allegra. Edith with the golden hair. What's that? Children's Hour, long Longfellow. About his family, I guess. But it might be about ours.
4: How do you mean?
2: I was noticing tonight gray Freddie, laughing Mel, and Penny with an appetite like a mule.
4: Oh, <laughs> and to say nothing of our eleven year old grown up Mary. Oh, it's strange, isn't it? How they're each different one from the other.
2: Like snowflakes. They all look the same until you get them under a microscope. Jean. Esther.
4: I wonder what the other one would have been like.
2: Yes, Julie, I've often wondered about him, too. He would have been 14 and three months now.
4: Almost a young man.
2: On the football team, probably.
4: Having his first sweetheart.
2: And different from all the rest.
4: Yes. Well, this isn't getting your work done.
2: I suppose not.
4: I'll go, then. Please don't stay up too late. Good night, dear. night, Blue Eyes. Jean, I wonder what the other one would have been like. Toy soldiers busted. Broken. Busted, too.
2: (laughs) A poem about...
4: Almost a young man having his first sweetheart. Freddie just left his old rag dog on the stairs again. Little boy blue, come blow your horn.
2: Little boy blue. Little boy blue. Yes. Little boy blue. The little toy dog is covered with dust, but sturdy and staunch he stands.
1: Hot breakfast, boy. This is going to be. I'm really hungry. Oatmeal, sir. Hot
4: oatmeal for everybody. Hey, Penny, what'd you do with my skate key? Well, if you take better care of it, you wouldn't be losing it all the time. All right, all right. At the table, everybody. Come on, Freddie. It's your turn to say grace. Uh Uh-huh. Unto God for health and food, and all that in our lives is good, we give our hearts in gratitude.
2: Well, well, all the happy faces... Here. Oh, oh, morning, blue eyes. You'd better
4: have a poem for us, after working
2: all night. Oh, I have, Julie, I have.
4: Oh, have you, Daddy? Will you say it for us? Now, oh, quiet, everybody. Daddy's got a poem. I yeah, everybody quiet. All
2: right, all right. right. Uh, and, Julie, I want you especially to listen. I think you'll know what it means.
5: Well, has it got a name, Daddy?
2: Uh-huh. I call it Little Boy Blue. And here it is. <clears throat> the little toy dog is covered with dust but sturdy and staunch he stands the little toy soldier is red with rust and his musket molds in his hands time was when the little toy dog was new and the soldier was passing fair and that was the time when our little boy blue kissed them and put them there now don't you go till I come he said And don't you make any noise. So, toddling off to his trundled bed, he dreamt of the pretty toys. And, as he was dreaming, an angel song awakened our little boy blue. Oh, the years are many, the years are long, but the little toy friends are true. Aye, faithful to little boy blue they stand... Each in the same old place, awaiting the touch of a little hand the smile of a little face. And they wonder, as waiting the long years through, in the dust of that little chair, what has become of our little boy blue since he kissed them and put them there. Well, Julie, what do you think?
4: I love you, Gene Field.
0: And so through the many years he lived with his friends, his children, and his beloved wife, Julia. And when, at last, the many years were through, his own words went echoing on.
2: That we shall say... Let come what may, we die, as we have lived, contented.
1: This is Father David again. Thanks for listening to today's program. To lose a child is one of the most difficult things that a couple may go through. Julia and Eugene worked through that, and they had a happy ending, because of their trust and belief in one another, and because of the love they were able to give to their family. Please pray for the strength of married couples in your life, and if you are married, here's a word about how to keep unity in the family from our host, Wallace Ford. You know,
0: while I was listening to tonight's program, I got to thinking of the past and the way our parents and grandparents lived a generation or two ago. Today you hear people worrying about the age in which we live. They say it's complicated and confusing. You read in the newspapers about juvenile and parental delinquency, broken homes and neglected children, and you get to worrying about your own family. You don't want anything like that to happen in your home. Well, it's good to remember there are millions of us who feel the same way about our homes as you do. It's encouraging to remember that in every day and age... The same fundamental things are true. There are the same hopes and joys, the same disappointments. It's always true that good people make good homes. No matter how complicated and confusing life may be, it's equally true that prayer, family prayer, will bring happiness and peace. Yes, and strength and courage to you and to your family. God's wonderful help can be had for the asking. So pray together as a family tonight and every night because a family that prays together stays together.